Hello and welcome to Braveheart Conversations, where we learn the art of love through brave and compassionate conversations. I'm Jillian Aurora. And I'm Marie Wallace. And we are your hosts today. Hello, hello. Good Hi, morning. Um, welcome to Braveheart Conversations. I am Jillian Aurora, and I'm here today with my co-host, Marie Wallace. Hi, everybody. We're so glad that you've joined us today. Um, I just want to thank you for joining us wherever you're you're coming from today, whether you are on Facebook Live. This is what we do every every Thursday. You can find us on our group, which is Braveheart Conversations, facebook.com slash group slash Braveheart Conversations. Or you can find us on Spotify, Podbean, iTunes, all the places. All the places. Um, so, yes, thank you for joining us. This morning, I want to talk about actually a wound that has come up for me recently. This has been a a challenge. Um, It's feeling overwhelmed. Sometimes those of us that are achievement oriented, guilty, (laughs) we can, we can like burden ourselves with a lot of different tasks and we can often um, start to feel lonely right? Like I'm in this alone. Nobody is helping me. Like that can be a real victimy wound that I get caught up in. So I just want to read something that, um, I wrote this week that helped me kind of process those, um, feelings. And I'm hoping that some of this will resonate for you as well. If you are also an overachiever, Um, All right, so I recently got a nostalgic trip down memory lane with some of my old victimy wounds of abandonment. In the past, I chose into relationships where I felt unsupported. I felt alone in shouldering many heavy responsibilities. I felt like everyone else got to go play and enjoy life while I took care of a very lopsided list of tasks. I felt abandoned because many of the people on my team partners, coworkers, bosses, roommates, etc., would leave me to pick up after them, edit their mistakes, finish incomplete tasks, repair damaged relationships with clients, and leave me the burden of the bulk of the work. I felt like they didn't care. I felt like my teammates saw me suffering under the burden of so many responsibilities and yet continued to go play at my expense. I felt like my natural propensity for efficiency, thoroughness, and resourcefulness were constantly being taken advantage of. Not only did it just happen, everyone seemed oblivious, like I was just the default. I was just the assumed responsible party. If there is one thing I know about anything, it is that I always have a part. My pain is not an accident. It's always teaching me something. So this week I got to look at that wound square in the face again, because obviously it isn't healed. Instead of getting defensive and feeling like a victim, I get to get curious. My pain got to show me my part in seeming to always end up with a very lopsided load of the work in many of my relationships. I got to look at how I was teaching others from the very start how to be treated. As fast as I would set boundaries, I would often break them. With a good enough exception, people were off the hook. So people learned to always have a good excuse. I taught people I was accommodating. 
I have had a lifetime of experience bending myself around others' needs and, a, and it was second nature to embody the attitude, don't worry, I'll be happy to take care of it. <laughs> Eventually, people don't even bother to ask. They just know you'll take care of it, even if it's on their task list. I taught people accessing my resourcefulness, efficiency, and strategic skills came at no cost. No one had to ask permission to have them. Not only did I give them away, I often forced them down people's throats. I taught people I was self-reliant. If a task looked like it wasn't going to be completed, I'd step in to save the day. People learned I didn't really need them anyway. Lastly, I taught myself people weren't to be trusted, that they were flaky, unreliable, and looking to take advantage of me. I learned to believe I wasn't really supported by others and the universe. These beliefs were toxic for myself and others and have never served me. I get to heal my wound of abandonment when I address and heal my own behaviors that keep perpetuating the cycle. The divine goddess within you and within me will not settle for old, worn-out, toxic programming. We will continue peeling away layer by layer as we heal every generational wound we have developed and lived out. So, this, I, I finally made it through without crying. You did good. <laughs> um, so this is a big one for me. Um, I very much have struggled with that feeling. And the common denominator is me in all of my relationships. Me too. But um, it really, um, it really has just continued to show up that I have felt that sting of resentment. Like I'm alone and I don't have teammates helping me. Mm -hmm. And so really owning my part, which is all of that over-functioning, mm-hmm. it not only um, teaches me, right, informs me that I'm I'm the only one that's going to do it mm-hmm. right or be trustworthy. It also informs everybody else that, oh, I'm off the hook. I don't, I don't really need to be there because she's got it, right? Um, which can be a coping skill. It can be a trauma coping skill, Mm -hmm. you know? Well, we also think that it's a way that people trust us. We're Mm -hmm. trustworthy and responsible. And, you know, those are traits that we cultivate as good girls. (laughs) So, Mm -hmm. yeah, I saw myself a lot in there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, self-reliant. Right. Which I see as a really good thing. Sure. It's a really great skill. But everything has a shadow side. And for me, that shadow side is when I'm so self-reliant. And basically, like I come at things with the attitude, well, fine, if you're not going to show up, I'll just do Mm -hmm. it myself and I don't need you anyway. That is really what's going on in my head. And that is really, um, that's an energetic response that's like a F you, I'm good. (laughs) And I don't need anybody. Um, and it's well in the background too. It's running that I'm resentful. Yeah. So in the background, I'm just going, well, if they and so I'm making up stories about their part without owning my part, the responsibility for yep. my part in the situation. I'm really just calling in that repetitive cycle, um, that belief that people aren't trustworthy because mm-hmm. that's really what's going on exactly. in my head is, yep, I knew it. I wasn't They supported. can't do it on their own. <laughs> I wasn't supported. I don't have a team. 
Um, I should have just done it anyway. Um, so those keep me stuck. Those beliefs really keep me stuck. Um, so uh, what I get to own is how have I taught other people from the very beginning? And it's usually in those very, very first steps of getting to know someone or establishing a relationship is we teach them unconsciously and nobody's mm -hmm. aware of all of these exchanges happening but very unconsciously I'm teaching them that um, any excuse is going to be okay right people pick up on patterns we're built that way we're built to pick up on patterns and we're like oh she said she'd take it Oh, she could take it. <laughs> oh, she can take it. <laughs> totally. And I can even see that in myself. If I perceive someone else as really strong and self-reliant, then they don't need me, right? It's like an automatic, um, like it's a trigger. Mm -hmm. You just know that, oh, they're super strong. They got it. And so I actually block myself off from having help and having... Um, a team because I'm not actually expressing that um, it isn't gonna be okay to not be a teammate even yeah. if you have good excuses right and this is where it's tricky for me because it requires me to face my old accommodating programming and say you know even with all of the excuses you know I can still have compassion that oh there's really terrible things happening in your life and um, that's just not going to be a fit for me. Like I require, I require um, teammates that pull their weight. Mm -hmm. I require relationships that pull That's their weight. That's what team is. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I didn't require that in the past. So um, this is just a whole new level for me is really making those requirements um, that if you're part of my team, then you will act like part of my team. Otherwise, I can do just like we've talked about in so many other relationships, we can release, right? Mm -hmm. um, and just acknowledge that this isn't a fit. It's not that you're a bad person. It's that I require a certain level of um, participation mm -hmm. in relationships. Um, so that was a big one was the, the boundaries piece. This is what is required. And then the other one, like accommodating, mm -hmm. really teaching people that um, accommodating is my second nature default. Mm -hmm. And again, very, very subconscious, but very powerful in the messages that I am conveying. So, well, we'll say it's okay and it's really not mm -hmm. and then get mad at them. <laughs> I think that's hilarious. Or like if, if truly I am like, okay, well, I'll just take care of it. And then in the back of my head, I'm thinking, gosh, they're so unreliable and I can't believe they did this. Then I'm not really being honest. Why well, you're not in alignment or congruent with what you're saying. <laughs> no, no. So there gets to be a whole different level of, of honesty. I'm going to check. I think we might have some comments. It's Tana. Tana, hi, I miss All you. amazing changes. Um, yeah, I, uh. I can I can see this in you, Tana. Yep. <laughs> um, this is such a oh, this is a, a big feminine wound. I think um, there there's men that struggle with this too, but I think that there's a nurturing side of women where a lot of that is conditioned mm -hmm. in us, right? We're taught from a really young age to be accommodating 
and nurturing. Under the guise of caring. Mm-hmm. If I care for someone, I will. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. That's the feminine nature. Yeah. I love you, Hi, you Tana. I miss Thank you. you. Too. Um, yeah, I think um, one of the one of the pieces in this this puzzle of like overfunctioning is that I'm harming myself because obviously we're meant to be fully supported. We're meant to be operating collectively, not uh, not isolated. No. But there's another side to this too that we are not meant to be stealing those opportunities from other people, and we harm other people when we are overfunctioning. Yeah, we don't. We're taking away their autonomy. And their ability to develop their own skills. And um, I was in my unapologetic group last night, and one of the gals was talking about how uh, we were talking about this particular issue. And she talked about how her son didn't learn to tie his shoes until he was six years old because um, she she didn't think he could, and she was rushing, and so she would just do it. And it's just, it's those little things Mm -hmm. that um, we actually put people at a disadvantage, even though we think that we're helping, we think that we're serving them, but they aren't developing their own skill set. And I think that this is really, really common in women today with their kids because, you know, the helicopter parent, right? The parents that are so involved that they they don't let their kids experience their own failures and their own struggles. Mm -hmm. And those like build resiliency. Exactly. Huge. They build skills and resiliency. We all need that. Well, that that function that they're going to need out in the real world when they graduate or whatever it is, um, because I think of the parents. I I had a couple of parents as a teacher, where um, these are my favorite. Like one of the teachers, she was like, "Well, I thought my job was all done." She was so, it was a parent who was so sweet and honest. And she goes, I thought my job was done once I sent them to kindergarten. And you're going, no, that's really when it begins. Or um, the ones that would say, like one kid missed 108 days of school because she said, and it was a second grader because she said, well, she just doesn't get up. (laughs) Or those things. And so there was no system built in for the child to be successful at listening to her alarm or you know or whatever those things are because we do tend to take over or we don't allow them to do their own laundry or i mean we're talking some some family systems now but those are Uh ones that usually where we try to take over the role especially like you said as moms or caregivers Mm -hmm. we we just take on too much responsibility Either we're rushing, <laughs> like you said, or we're, um, we just, well, we can do it faster and better, mm-hmm. or um, they can't do it yet, or whatever the thing so is. So many excuses. So yeah. many excuses. Yeah. However, um, we, we often think we're being mean when we are keeping people accountable, mm-hmm. right? And when we are letting them struggle. Like, yeah. that feels mean. But... I don't um, know how to separate whites and darks. Figure You'll it figure out. It out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, like, we're actually stealing from them. Like, that is a kind thing to do, mm-hmm. to let them be accountable. Well, and they feel so much better. Like, you'll oh, see them yeah. like, I did it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
And I found that I've just, I've given people excuses really often. I look back on, you know, I've had, um, I've had a lot of relationships where there's been some sort of a crisis. And I, I think about all the times that I filled in the gaps, mm. right? So I had partners who experienced crisis. I had uh, family members who experienced mm -hmm. crisis. I had co-workers and so often my response would be oh you're going through this difficult time I will just overextend myself and make mm -hmm. it happen so that you don't have to think about it while you're going through this thing mm -hmm. and the thing is It's such an illusion because you think it's gonna be temporary, but there's always crisis so I found myself always overextending myself and then you get into a pattern where people are just expecting that of you and they don't even have a second thought about mm -hmm. that you're overextending yourself because that's just who you are. So it just became a pattern for me that just would perpetuate itself. But when I really get honest, when I've had my own crises and what I'm talking about is when I've had health problems or an injury or a breakup or divorce mm -hmm. or, um, you know, there, I mean, there's all sorts of stuff, financial crisis, Overwhelmed depression, um, yeah. like all of those things, I was able to figure it out and never for a second thought, oh, well, so-and-so will just do it for mm -hmm. me. Like, I just, I trusted in my own resiliency and I trusted in my own problem solving. But where I've gotten really dishonoring in the past is I have not extended that belief of resiliency mm -hmm. for someone else. I babied them because I thought that they couldn't do it. Yeah. It reminds me of that butterfly metaphor we've talked about. So the butterfly's in and trying to stretch its wings and yes. it's the pushing on the cocoon mm -hmm. at, that pumps the blood or whatever you call it for butterflies, I think it's blood, into their wings to make them stronger. And when someone comes in, I know this from teaching kindergarten, when kids try to help that butterfly out, the butterfly all of a sudden is not strong enough because it didn't have that opportunity to exercise the wings and get them fully functioning. And so I think that's just a really great metaphor from nature. When we try to help nature, the butterfly doesn't get that resiliency and that strength to run off and fly because yeah. someone's helped. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I love, I've always loved that metaphor. Yeah. That's, that's so great. And I think humans are the same way when we help too much it's actually very harmful um, and they don't develop the resiliency that they're capable of and my disbelief in people has been really detrimental mm -hmm. when i go back and look at how i feel in that moment of being resilient and mm. powerful and strong because we've had those moments where we're going wow i'm so strong I am stealing from them. I'm robbing them of that same joy yeah. and that feeling of I can conquer anything because that's a skill that they're building. And that leads into the next event where they can be strong and resilient. And the next event, unfortunately, we will get plenty of opportunities to practice resiliency. And I, I just don't want to be that person to, to take that from them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I know that there's elements when I've had to practice overcoming something or being resilient, 
some of the factors, they're ugly, right? Mm -hmm. You go through those moments where you're like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm screwed. And you go through the self-pity and Uh like there's all the phases. And so often when we watch somebody go through those phases, we're like, oh God, I need to save them. Like I can't do it. (laughs) When like, I know I had to go through those phases and eventually you go through all the self-pity, you go through your Mm -hmm. moment of like, you know, the world is ending, and then you figure it out. And well, without all that help, you have more possibilities, mm-hmm. right? Because you're forced into this situation where you don't have the help, and you're going, well, I have to figure it out. Yep. And so it forces creativity and all those ways to think outside of the box. Yep. And, yeah, so that, it's a really important... A lot of beautiful things happen under I know, pressure. it's really ugly, but there's some really pretty things, too. Yeah. Like, isn't it great when the butterfly gets out of the cocoon? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And wouldn't you hate to have ruined that opportunity? I know, that would be sad. I also remembered something that you said in there. Mm -hmm. um, We're resentful of the people that go run off and play. Mm. and, Mm. And we tie ourselves into all these things that we have to do. And that's where the overwhelm comes. And then we don't go play because we have this checklist of things that we feel so responsible for doing. So I I remember that from what you wrote and it's like, yeah, then they're off playing and then I'm resentful because they're off playing and I want to play and, but I can't and, you know, layering that on. So yeah. Yeah. I I don't know how many times I've had that, that feeling. Um, And really it's that, lack of accountability Mm. that's what it has boiled down to me over and over as I've set these boundaries and then I haven't and um, I have not held people to that standard that Mm. requirement that um, if you want to be in whatever relationship capacity whether that's a co-worker relationship or partner relationship or whatever Mm. like you get to be a team with me right and that's Mm. what this standard is required to be in that relationship Mm -hmm. with me and so where I've often found myself is I'm way overworking resentful that they're playing and then it's like um I haven't honored me Mm -hmm. you know so when we both are showing up for our responsibilities we both get to go play I know it's so much more fun but if I fail to uphold my boundaries and my accountability then I do end up in this position where I'm watching other people play because I haven't Mm -hmm. I haven't set those boundaries and followed through with them with that person and so then it's become this dishonoring does that make sense Uh uh-huh and a lopsided relationship I think the the happiest relationships I have been in are those where we were co-working or co we were teammates mm-hmm. in situations and we shared the burdens and you shared the joy so you get to share yes the fun and the play just as much as you do share the the burden or the, the responsibilities, responsibilities. Mm-hmm. not always a burden but responsibilities right right um yeah that's it's so much more honoring for comments. everyone yeah let's take a peek okay oh I always end up hitting something. <laughs> Can I get out of this? Oh dear. Uh, there we go. Okay. <laughs> let's scroll gently. <laughs> Veronica, uh, let's respect the other person enough to know they can handle yeah. their own stuff. Absolutely. And if they need help or an ear, of course. Yes, encouragement is huge. Um, the parable of Mary and Martha. Um, Mary and Martha. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So I remember Mary and Martha, um, I forget which one was which. I want to say Martha was the worker. She yeah. was the one always working and resentful. She was the one washing the feet. And Mary was with um, Jesus. Jesus. Washing his feet. Right. And she was, uh, she was enjoying his presence. And she was enjoying the moment instead of working, working, working. And Mary was ready to take care of all the guests and all the things. And yeah. Yeah. Um, so Thanks for bringing that up. Yeah, that's a great example. Um, honestly, I mean, not like it's been a long time since I've read that story. But thinking about that, um, sharing those responsibilities together would have then you allowed both get to have it presence. would have allowed them both to be present um which i think that's probably a little off from what that story oh and means in that situation i don't know why we're <laughs> we are we're missing flipped anyway um <laughs> the, there, there we are okay <laughs> don't you just love it totally the technology <laughs> Um, we're back. Yeah, I can't see comments here because I wasn't tagged in the post. Oh, okay. So we'll take we'll tag you. <laughs> um, anyway, um, I don't think that the parable ended in the way. I think, if I remember correctly, Jesus was saying that the person who was present was you know that was more where we needed to be. I don't know that I would totally agree with that outcome because I think that it's when we share responsibilities mm -hmm. that we can both enjoy. Um, it's not that responsibilities just go away. And I think that that's the burden of many of us who are over-functioning is we see the need. We see the things that um, the responsibilities, people don't eat unless you cook, right? Mm -hmm. um, there's certain things that they, they really need to get done. And um, what often happens is if we don't uh, make those needs known like hey I need help and the shared goals yeah, yeah this isn't just my responsibility what ends up happening is other people like we've probably all seen that commercial that like a long time ago there was this commercial where this guy was like the um we have this magic coffee table it just every night it cleans itself. oh yes <laughs> and um but how many parties or even like my very first conference I did, I remember just running around, running around, doing all the things. And, mm -hmm. and I did have some shared responsibility, but I felt it upon myself to do all of that. And then I wasn't getting it to enjoy the people yeah. that were there. And it was so great because I ended up having this really good friend of mine who had me just stop and be in the moment and then she helped me do some of the things and I just didn't even realize it while I was in the middle of it that I was I was um, missing out on all the yeah. fun and enjoyment of the people which is why I was doing it and then yeah it's staying in the middle of responsibility so yeah right so, that's so a really, the response how many parties have we done where we've been the only person <laughs> right and if you don't share the responsibilities then other people will just assume that they just magically get done yeah that table that coffee yeah, table it's just like it's human nature to do that oh it's it's done it's out of out of sight out of mind right and they just don't even think about it 
Um, so part of this is requiring other people to be those teammates because it's dishonoring for all of the things to be on one person. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, if we don't cook, none of us eat. So we should all get to participate in whatever is going to serve the whole community. So um, And putting away the dishes. <laughs> we're all going to have different um, coping skills. Some of us, we will... Uh, we will take a step back um, and we're under functioners, right? There are some that um, will under function in the middle of chaos, they will step back. And then there are over functioners where we get really active mm -hmm. and we both get to practice being in roles where we're a little uncomfortable. It is very uncomfortable, uncomfortable for me to lean back and let things be undone. Mm -hmm. That is like torture, but it is exactly where I get to be. A lot of the time mm -hmm. I get to take a step back and let other people figure some things out because I'm robbing them of those opportunities. Mm -hmm. And we get to be collectively responsible for um, mutual responsibilities and things that need to get done. So. I'm specifically speaking to overfunctioners right now. Mm -hmm. So all of you that tend to jump in and get it all done and don't wait for anybody else to help, that hear who I'm talking to. Yes. Um, and to ourselves sometimes. <laughs> so she says sometimes putting things down. Yeah. Uh, so we don't have the monopoly on the op uh, activities. activities. Absolutely. That's what I'm saying is if you um, take a step back, we allow other people the opportunity, A, to even see that the work is there, right? Mm -hmm. Like that coffee table example. Uh -huh. Well, if she let it be dirty for a night, he might see, oh, it's not a magic coffee table. There's actually something to be cleaned, right? But if you don't ever even let the person see, you know, have the opportunity of seeing that there's work to be done, they never have the opportunity to even contribute. Well, I remember some uh, big family dinners where we'd have like 30 people over and then it would just be Joe and I washing the dishes and putting things away. And then when it started happening at other people's houses, that w they didn't know. They would have definitely jumped in and helped, but we're like, oh, it's okay. And you're going, wait a minute, because then, then they would have gladly and, and that those chores being shared and mm -hmm. um it allows us what one to laugh and play while we're doing the dishes or the chores right because we can still make that fun um but it also lightens the work many hands light work absolutely yep and that's the goal is when we're all functioning as a team we all get to participate and play together and we all get to breathe and we can breathe and enjoy and play mm -hmm. yeah yeah, and then we are all feeling acknowledged. And that was such a big thing for me was I felt abandoned, right? Mm -hmm. I felt lonely because it felt like everybody else was playing at my expense. Mm -hmm. And that's a really icky feeling. And we all have a part in that. And I get to heal my pattern of over-functioning and my lack of requirements for, for other people to create a change that I want. Um, so and if we're feeling overwhelmed, those are checklists. Mm -hmm. You just gave us a checklist. Yeah. So if if you find that that's a pattern for you, remember you're the common denominator <laughs> in all of it's your relationships. 
So, um, there's always something for us to own, you know, if it's an anomaly and it's something that doesn't normally happen, you know, maybe, maybe that's somebody else's deal. But if you're finding yourself in repeat relationships where you're continually feeling overstretched and overburdened, you have a part. So I know for me, that was hard. I mean, I was sobbing writing that mm -hmm. because I was identifying my parts and they were really deep wounds. I had a lot of abandonment that came up because I felt so lonely in um, doing all these tasks and feeling like nobody cared. Mm -hmm. um, so we get to own our parts. I hope that that is helpful for you in like hearing some of the things that came up for me, like, oh, I set boundaries and I didn't keep them, or I was very accommodating, or I had very little belief in other people. Like those were all contributing factors to me feeling very isolated and abandoned. So find your Bye. list, find your part, um, because you have some healing to do. It's not just everybody else that's abandoning you. There's some parts of you that get to be looked at as well. Thanks for the love. Yeah, I appreciate Hi, that. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Is that, are we I think good? that's wrapped. Are we, are we closed? Okay. Um, are we complete? We yeah. are complete. Awesome. Thanks for being here. You yeah, guys. I appreciate all the comments. Do I appreciate whenever you guys engage? It, it means a lot that we're having a conversation. Um, with that, we'll go ahead and close up. If you guys have any questions or uh, topics that you would like to hear us discuss in the future, or if you like disagree, please like send yeah, all of that. Let us know when you disagree too. We yeah, like that. <laughs> we really appreciate because when you push back and you tell us what your resistance is, it gives us another really perspective. Another perspective, and it gives us something that we can talk about the next time too. And it just continues on the conversation. So don't be shy about sharing with us. Um, my email address is defytheaverage at gmail.com, and you can always shoot me over an email with any questions or comments. Comments, and then you can also reach out to Marie. Marie at mariesgold.com. So we'd love to hear from you. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And um, with that, we'll wrap up. You can see us again uh, Thursday, every Thursday morning live. We're here. Join our group at facebook.com slash groups slash Braveheart Conversations. And find us on Podbean, Spotify, iTunes, all the places. And uh, we love you all very much, and we will see you again next week. Bye-bye, guys. Bye-bye.